when a faint voice spoke to me over the phone, and I just broke my heart. What could I say? I couldn't tell him no. What did the pastor want? I, he wanted me to preach tomorrow morning for him. At this late day, and then she said to me, you look so calm. I said, calm? I'm not calm. I'm running 150 miles an hour on the inside, okay? <laughs> well, anyway, I'm just glad to be here and be privileged to share with you a few thoughts out of a book that I've, I've a group that meets on Thursday mornings at 6.30. We just finished Colossians. We're kind of going into another book now. Galatians just getting started. But I used a few verses out of Colossians the last time we had a fifth Sunday sing here. I think a lot of the staff was going to be absent. And so they asked me if I would lead the hymn sing. And I, I just my voice had just came back where I felt like I could lead the hymn sing without my losing my voice. And I really did enjoy it. And so I wanted to, since it's become the custom of the song leader to read a lot of scripture before he leaves any singing or anything, I thought I might be able to do that, you know. So I read a few verses out of Colossians. I'd like to continue in that, in the, in the third chapter of Colossians, I'd like to do some reading and just a little thinking out of hand as we go through the scriptures. Especially in the vein of where we find ourselves today. This is the last day and 2017. I don't know how the year's been for you. Uh, others have suffered this, that, or the other. Some have had successes. Um, back in September, I lost my mom. She was 96 years old. The closing years of her life were not very pleasant. She suffered from a lot of um, anxiety. And uh, that just made it very difficult. But again, as the Lord saw fit at 96 years old in September, he took her home. And that was certainly a measure of relief and at the same time grieving over our loss. Many of you have experienced that. But now we're facing, we're facing a new year. 2018 just looms on the horizon. There'll be folks staying up all night long to see it in. I will not be one of those. I've discovered that at our age, Martha and I do a lot better just to wake up into the new year, you know what I'm saying, and not try to bring it in. Uh, it'll come in by itself okay, and there are folks who are there to make sure it comes in. So I'm sure when I wake up, if I wake up, it'll be 2018. And I'm already prepared because I've already discarded my calendar that I have on my desk, a little cheap calendar that I buy from, Monk, from Walmart every year, about 3 or $4.00. Got all the months and the days listed there, you know. And so I've already thrown this one for this side aside, and I've got it on there. I've got my doctor's appointment. I've got the next time I go to the hairdresser. And um, <laughs> some of the important things I've got listed already in January. And I'm, I'm, ready, I'm ready for 2018. The question is, what will 2018 be like for us? Will it be different or any different much than 2017 was, 2017? Uh, with its ups and downs and its insecurities and all the things that we're facing in the world with its situations, with terrorists here and terrorists there, liars here and liars there, Washington, D.C., and the deadlock. What difference does all of that make? The question is, 
What will 2018 be for us as God's people? What will it be like for us? Will it be the same old humdrum, humdrum? Or will it be filled with something exciting, refreshing? Bear with me a little while as I begin in the third chapter of Colossians to read as Paul writes to the church at Colossae, a church that he had never actually visited, never met the members personally, but their pastor was saved under his ministry while he was at Ephesus and went back and took the gospel and a little church was established there at Colossae. And they were having issues like all people have issues. They've had them since the first century. They've been having them ever since. Sometimes they loom large and big and bigger than life. Other times they're sort of minuscule. But problems nevertheless, no different than where we are today. But keeping in mind that when the clock strikes 12 tonight, we'll be entering into a new year. What will it be like for us? Let Paul's words sort of sink into our hearts as we share, walk through them just a little bit today. If then you have been raised with Christ, Paul says, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above and not on things that are on the earth. Let's just face it. When we get all tied up in the things of this earth, it's nothing but confusion and heartache and heartbreak. And we just wonder how it's going to be. But the apostle gives good advice to the church at Colossae and to us today as we face the new year. If we have been raised with Christ, that's the question. Have you been raised with Christ? Then if you have, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are of the earth. For you have died. No, no, I, no I'm, I'm still very much alive. I almost died 17 years ago. If I live another month and a few days, I come February the 7th, be 18 years since I had my massive heart attack. Three days into that, they told my wife, if he don't have a will, he needs to get one. Looks like he's going away from here. Almost did, but I didn't. So I'm still alive. But there was a time when I died. It was 2,000 years ago outside the city gates of Jerusalem when the promised one went to the cross. And there was nailed on that cross that day every sin that Lee Riley Good would ever commit. And all of the responses of the law, charges brought against me. There, that day, outside the city gates, Christ took my sins upon himself and died in my place. And I died in him 2,000 years ago. For you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Couldn't be in a safer place, by the way. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The day-to-day grind sometimes doesn't leave room for a lot of glory in this life. 
But the day is coming when Christ is coming back again. And we will appear with him in glory. Having died in Christ, I have a responsibility. And that is I need to be daily putting to death, therefore, that which is earthly in me. He says, therefore, what is earthly in you, as he writes to the Colossians. And what are those things? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is, by the way, idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming one day. I mean, he is. Christ is coming back one day, not as a humble child to be born in a manger, but as the glorious, triumphant Christ coming. Revelation 6 speaks about it as the day of the wrath of the Lamb. You can imagine a Lamb being wrathful, but it will be. He'll be coming as to judge the quick and the dead. God is coming. In these you too once walked when you lived in them. Sometimes we don't like to remember our past, how we used to walk, how it was with us, how we talked, how we thought. But if you've been raised with Christ, we need to be seeking the things above. Therefore, put to death the things that are earthly in you. In these you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. You know, if 2018 is going to be different, it'll be different for us if we are different, right? So there's some things that we need to be doing as God's church. We need to be looking within ourselves. There are some things we need to be putting to death. And there are some things that we need to be putting on. He said you must put away all anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Paul tells us in Romans that God has predestined us to be conformed to the image of whom? His dear son. In our Sunday school lesson today, they, they pictured for us Stephen in that very unfortunate time in his life when he was seized by the Jews who called into question everything he preached and every truth he set forth. And they brought false witnesses against him and brought him before the Sanhedrin. And in the end, as he gave them a lesson in history, and in the end gave them the truth which they could not bear, they fell upon him like a pack of wild dogs and dragged him out of the city. And they stunned him. And as the lesson goes on, there as he was in their midst and Saul of Tarsus was watching their garments so that they might not get soiled in the process. It just simply says that he gazed up into the heavens 
And he saw the glory of God and Christ standing by his right side. And as a result of that, he cried out to them. Because obviously they couldn't see what he with spiritual eyes beheld. That gave him great peace. And was that sure foundation for his feet in the midst of trouble. A peace that passes understanding. I saw God in all of his glory. And the Son of Man standing by his side. Daniel being fulfilled. Chapter 7, verses 13. Well, do not lie to one another, seeing you've put off the old self with its practices, and it put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, after the image of its creator. Here, I don't know whether he means here in the course of time or here in Colossae, Maybe both. But he's simply saying here, in that church, which is a portion of the body of Christ, there's not Greek and Jew, not circumcised and uncircumcised, not barbarian and Scythian, not slave or free, but Christ is all, and he is in all. Put on then, he says, as God's chosen ones. I don't make any bones about it. I'm a Calvinist, okay? Yes, I'm one of those five-pointers. I didn't just get that way overnight. It took a lot of time. I lost a lot of air over wrestling with those things. But I love the words less chosen and predestined and determined Put on then as God's chosen ones. When you stop and consider that you are a Christian, understand that the only reason that you are a Christian is because God in his grace and mercy broke into your life. Amen? Amen. Let's just face it. You weren't looking for him. You were looking for a lot of things, but you weren't looking for the Almighty. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That overwhelms me sometimes when I see how the world spurns Christianity and goes out of their way to, to molest and destroy those who have come to trust in Christ. But what confidence there is when I know that I'm a chosen one and I've been set apart by God. I'm, he, he says be holy because I'm holy. He set me apart to be different. And I am beloved by God in Christ. And nothing will ever be able to separate me or us from that. Amen? Romans 8, the closing part of that chapter. Paul just gets hung up on that, really chosen ones holy and beloved compassionate hearts we're to put on compassionate hearts kindness humility meekness and patience 
Can you imagine what it would be like if we were all clothed with that? That they're the governing principles in us as God's church and as his people? What a difference that would make in our relationship with one another here. What a real difference that would make in our relationship in our homes, among our families, and the very town in which we live. If we are people with compassionate hearts, filled with kindness, humility, they can't do me that way. I'm an American citizen. I have rights. You might discover as you go down the road that your American citizenship and your rights went down, they went south a long time ago. And they're going that way every day. Amen. What does our pastor tell us? Don't sweat it. We belong to Christ. We got rights. Humility. Meekness. You can't get along in this world with this grab it, take it, get all you can with meekness. No. Put on humility. Put on meekness and patience. How much we do need patience. I need some of that. My wife needs a little bit of it. Not much, but a little bit. Patience. Why? Because we are by nature an impatient people. We want what we want when we want it, right? And we don't care about God's timeline or his plan. Listen, that cannot continue to be a part and possible of who we are as God's redeemed and chosen family. We've got to be different. And if 2018 is going to be something special, it's going to be special because we as God's people are listening close to what the apostle is saying and begin to put into practice some of the things that he's saying. Patience. Why? Well, because you will have to bear with one another. I mean, my Sunday school class puts up with me. I don't know why they do. I'm always running over. I never finish on time. Hardly ever finish the lesson. 77 years old. Do you expect me to change? No, let's get real. I mean, that's just the way it is. You're going to need patience if you're going to be with me, right? Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, doing what? Forgiving each other. How? As the Lord has forgiven you. How quickly we forget. Do we not? We need to be reminded that we are the forgiven. And oh, the things that he has forgiven us of. We don't really want to think about those. But sometimes we need to. Patience. Forgiving one another as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. It's not an option. You, the thing that stymies our spiritual growth and the joy and peace that is ours in Christ is when we hold on to these sort of things and bear grudges. It robs us of all that peace and joy that is ours in Christ. So you also must forgive. And above all of these, there it is, put on love. We could slip over to the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians and spend an hour or so just going over love. But, and above all of these, put on love. Why? 
Well, it's, it's the mortar that sort of binds everything together in perfect harmony. I, I made a play for that when I was going to be leading the singing afterwards, perfect harmony. We'll get, get your hymnals out. You're not going to be singing off the wall. You've got your hymnals. If you're a bass, sing bass. If you're one of those lovely angelic and sopranos, then sing soprano. The parts are right there. All you do is just sing that. And if you sing the right note and we get the timing just about right, we're going to have some beautiful what? Harmony, right? Harmony. But how important love is that there might be harmony in the body of Christ. And he simply says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. I sort of suspect as I went over that Sunday school lesson this morning. It said, and I, I don't know whether I did a good job of trying to explain that, but it said, when they brought him, when they dragged him before the council and began to make all these false accusations against him, they just said, there he was standing there and his face sort of looked like an angel's face. I, I don't know what they had to compare that with. I, I can't remember ever seeing an angel. A few times I've seen mother, she kind of looks like an angel sometimes, behaves like one. And then sometimes... But no, a demonic spirit might come on. But what does it look like to have a face like an angel, a countenance like an angel? I'm thinking to myself, you know, when you know what you know is really true. And you hear people bringing false accusations against you, railing on you, speaking all manner of lies about you. It, it is not a smugness. It is just a peace that comes over you because you know what you know. You know that Christ loved you, came into the world and died for you, and you died in him, and now you're a new creature. You have a new life. You have peace that passes understanding. You have a grip on what's going on, and you, by God's grace, are a part and parcel to that wondrous salvation. And it doesn't make any difference what men say or what the world does or what direction they go or how much trial and tribulation they bring upon God's church. That peace of Christ rules in our hearts, amen? And that should show on our countenance, on our faces. It ought to take a lot to get us worked up, don't you think, brother? But sometimes it's just a, just a drop a word or it's this, that, and the other. Sometimes our expression changes from peace to hostility. To uh, Anyway, I'll get you, brother, in the end. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Thanksgiving is something that should be so common to us as God's people that we should not just wait for Turkey Day. Every day ought to be a day of thanksgiving for us as Christ's people, right? We ought to be thankful. And I realize that sometimes we, we go to his throne, we have serious burdens on our hearts about loved ones or sickness or this or that or difficulties that we're facing or problems in our family. But always mixed with all of those petitions that you bring, all of the apostles bring us that word, mixed with it thanksgiving always because we have so many things to be thankful for he talks about here 
And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you were indeed called in one, one body. When, when he speaks about that body over here in this, in this chapter, he, he talks about here in the church at Colossae, in the body of believers in Colossae. There is not Greek and Jew. There's not circumcised or uncircumcised. There's not barbarian or Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all. And he is in all. And over here as he talks about that peace that should rule our hearts. To which indeed you were called in one body. I don't know where all of you came from. I don't know anything about your denominational background. Some of you I know a little something about. We all came from diverse places and held diverse things and so forth and so on. But you're a tabernacle now, right? So when you're a tabernacle, be a tabernacle. And that's what all I can tell you. Fit in. There's one body, just one body. Now, I have to be careful at this point because yeah, I think it's going to work out. Oh, I have to be careful at this point because I'm really big on this one body thing, okay? I mean, he just mentions that and he also gives us a little emphasis as he writes to them how it is at the church at Colossae. Some say you should be doing this. Others say you should be doing that. This should be a part and parcel of what we are. But he says, listen, let the peace of Christ reign supreme. We've been called into that one body. I'm... I know when I go here, it's going to be a little controversial, but as I go down the road, I really don't care too much about controversy one way or the other. Uh, I've got to the place that really doesn't bother me all that much. Uh, In the 10th chapter of John, the Gospel of John, in in the Gospel of John, John has about seven places down through there where Christ calls himself, uh, I am I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the light of the world. I am this. In this 10th chapter, he focuses on the fact that he is the good shepherd. Okay? That that's what the 10th chapter is all about. And he starts off by giving an analysis of kind of like what's going on. He, he talks about a sheepfold and he talks about a shepherd who comes up to the keeper of the gate. And the keeper recognizes him and allows him to go into the sheepfold. And he begins to call out his sheep. They're his sheep. And the evidence that they are is they recognize his voice. And they follow him out of the sheepfold. Because he's the shepherd of the sheep. I'm, I'm not going to get into that. That would be a whole different message. and uh, It would consume a lot of time. But... I'm just thinking about the one body. In verses 15b, Christ says, I lay down my life for the sheep. I don't think any of us have questioned that. That he did lay down his life for us, the sheep. And he goes on in the 16th verse to say, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. And so there will be one flock 
and one shepherd. One flock, one body, one shepherd. I think that is, if I understand anything correctly, he's, most commentators say he's, he's speaking about the Gentiles, which are not a part of the commonwealth of Israel. And he's simply saying, look, I've got other sheep that are not of the sheepfold. I must call them. They will hear my voice. They'll follow me. And then there will be what? One flock, one body, one shepherd. Amen? Think, I think that's God's plan. I don't think he's changed from that plan. You, you see it, it's so evident in the writings of the Apostle Paul. I mean, here at Colossae, you're a mixture. You're a little bit of this and a little bit of that and other, but all those things don't matter. There's only one body and one shepherd. But sometimes we're told that God still has a different people who will be saved in a different way at a different time, and they're his earthly people, and we're his heavenly people. I, I kind of take issue with that. I, I, I'm thinking that Jesus maybe knew what he was talking about. And you know, I asked our pastor about that back when he was preaching in Ephesians. I said, what about that passage here? Isn't Ephesians 2 a Paul giving us a sort of commentary on that piece of news? See, Jesus was full of news. Listen to this. At that time, I'm I'm still in the 10th chapter, 22nd verse. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews, they gathered around him, could be Pharisees and Sadducees, scribes and so forth and the like, all the learned men, the leaders, religious leaders of his day, they gathered around him and they said to him, how long would you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But and the buts are so important in many, many different ways. But, but you do not believe because you're not part of my flock. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. And I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. The Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Have I shown you so many good works from the Father? For which of them are you going to stone me? And the Jews answered him, It's not for a good work that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, mere man, make yourself God. 
What is 2018 going to be for us? As a body, we need to be together. And if we're going to be together, we need to have compassionate hearts. Kindness should be something that's in the forefront in humility and meekness and patience and love. That binds us all together so that we can indeed live Jew and Gentile, bonded free, circumcised and uncircumcised. Scythian. Scythian would, they would way out. Bad dudes. But he simply said, Christ is all and he's in all. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. It was about there when I simply said, we're getting ready to have a hymn sing. And get your books out. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. You know, I bet if we start living 2018 with that kind of spirit, doing all that we do in the name of Christ, giving him all the glory, taking on some of these attributes, putting to death the deeds of our flesh. Can't do that except through the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul tells us in Romans but doing all of those things, there's no telling how great 2018 might be, right? Let his word dwell in you richly. And whatever you do in word or deed or everything, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He then goes through a section that I don't have time to go through right now, but just the general run of relationships, husband and wife, children to mother and dad, uh, slaves to masters, masters to how they ought to treat their slaves and so forth, and how children ought to be obedient to their parents and everything. He goes through that. And here's where he winds up. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Being watchful in it. That was one of the things he said to his disciples. Can you, can you not watch with me one hour? I left you over here to pray with me. And I come back and you're all falling into a dead sleep. You need to be watchful by your praying. It is a very important thing that we're doing when we're praying. Continually, steadfastly in prayer. Being watchful in it. How? With thanksgiving. That'll keep you on your toes as you go through some of these things that have burdened your heart about some bad news you got about so-and-so and how you're lifting them up in prayer. And at the same time, you sort of salt thanksgiving in there in the midst of your prayers. I don't think there's any way we can really go to sleep in our prayers when we're giving thanks to the Lord. Do you think so? I mean, that would be almost unthinkable. At the same time, Paul says, pray for us. That God may open to us a door for the word. Let's, why not make that our prayer for 2018? Right, brother? I think when we, when we talked about that down at, uh, over a biscuit, I think you said, I, I really love this. I think you've kind of just brought that right into your heart, haven't you? Amen. Because it really is true. 
I'm involved with some others in a prison ministry on Tuesday night. Our brothers come and joined us on Tuesday night, but he's also on Thursday nights there sharing the gospel message with guys that are locked up in prison. And how much do we need that God would do what? Open a door for us as we come among those who are the lawbreakers. Locked up there, not because they're the best citizens in the world, but because they're lawbreakers. And we venture out there on Tuesday evenings, and he goes on Thursdays with the Gideons to share the message. But he realizes, and I realize, that unless God opens a door for us through the Holy Spirit, touching some hearts and touching our hearts and filling us with the power of the Spirit as we deliver that word and and make it clear, lives will be changed. And so Paul says, pray for us that God may open a door for, for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. What is that mystery of Christ? Well, you can go back and find it in Colossians because he talks about it, okay? I don't have time to read it today, but I got it like a sausage. That was our pastor said, so just got to cut off a link here, and I'll see you in another couple of years maybe. So anyway, don't forget where we are. <laughs> oh, Lord, help us. Pray for us also that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. And that's the reason he was in jail. Because he was preaching the poor, unadulterated gospel in all of its richness. Both to Jews and Gentiles. And he tells us in Galatians, there isn't but one gospel. And there never will be anything but one gospel. If anyone tells you there's going to be a gospel later on different from the gospel, you might call that into question. You'd probably be on solid ground. On account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. I don't know whether I've made it clear to you at all. I may have just jumbled up your hearts and minds. I don't know. But I hope that you'll be looking with great expectation when you get up tomorrow morning facing the first day of 2018 and say in your heart, this is going to be a different year. I'm going to be a different person. I'm going to ask the Lord to make me a spiritual person. And in the power of his spirit, Lord, give me a spirit that's in agreement with your spirit that when you speak to me and lead me, I might hear and heed and run where you send me. And make the gospel message clear. Not confused. And then one final word and I'm letting you go. And you won't have to come back tonight. Because won't nobody be here. Okay. You go to bed early. Wake up fresh and invigorated tomorrow. Start off the year with a bang. He says walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Okay. And let's just face it, when you pour out of this place, you're pouring into a world full of outsiders. Amen? Remember who you are. You're the body of Christ. One body. Many members, but one body. Christ is all, and he's in all through the Holy Spirit that dwells in our hearts. Amen? 
So when you go out into the world and mingle with unbelievers, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the very best use of the time. So that you might simply say, this time next year, it's been one of the best years of my life. God has given me more opportunity to share Christ. Got to know my neighbors. That old lady at the grocery store. Making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious. Seasoned with salt. So that you might know how you ought to answer each person. Amen. Not knowing what perplexed questions we might be confronted with. We need to stay prayed up. We need to be filled with the spirit. We need to be spirit-filled men and women. Amen. Bow your heads. Dear God and Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for 2017. I made it another year, Lord. What do the doctors know? In just a little over a month, Lord, if you allow me to live, I'll have marked off 18 years since I had that tragic, massive heart attack. It almost took my life. But it weren't a part of your plan. I don't know when you're going to call me home. What difference does it make? By your spirit, keep me on my toes, Lord. Keep me busy in your word and in your kingdom's work. Help me to use a measure of wisdom as I go out into the world. And may my language be salted with the truth. That I might know how to answer some of the questions and point people in the right direction and do it in the right spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.